1: It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. Hello, Georgia. Hello. How are you doing today?
1: Wonderful. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I've been so excited for this conversation. I've been looking forward to it for a while. If we could ask Georgia's teachers, perhaps, or your parents, or anyone who knew you when you were younger, how would they describe young Georgia?
1: Oh, you know what? No one's ever asked me that before. Um, (laughs) I would say very bright. And I often like, if you, if I was to like paint a picture, it's like skipping, mm. I would always skip whenever I'm happy. I still actually do that now. Um, But yeah, I've always loved to write. So I think my English teacher would have said that. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, just like creative and joyful and, and quite, yeah, playful.
0: That's fascinating. What sort of things did you like to write about?
1: Honestly? I had no idea about this until it was actually a couple of days ago when I was visiting my grandma last time here in the UK. And she was like, oh, you used to write poems. And I wrote one down because it was so good. And you were only about six at the time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so I think I just used to write poems about what I could see in the world. And yeah.
0: Fascinating. Do you remember what your school reports said?
1: It tended to be pretty like decent. Um never like top of the class, but definitely not bottom either. I was quite like a a mid-level. Um you know, she's she you know she's bright and intelligent, has lots of potential, you know, quite mm-hmm. nice things. I was quite like good in school. I was I was very happy to like please my teachers and I would always work hard. So I think I would that would be reflected in my reports as like a good girl, so to speak.
0: Gosh, do you remember what your favourite subject was? English. English, yeah. I was in
1: a dance as well.
0: What was your worst subject? Maths. Likewise. I think, I think everyone said that, actually. I think maths is the, such a, for me, it's my worst enemy. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, and chemistry. I, I suppose
0: it. so, yeah. There's a lot of. Lots of symbols, and I just have no interest in it. And it sounds like you're the same, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was more like arty. I loved like writing, anything Mm. that could be creative, art, dance, writing.
0: Were you quite sort of? Were you were you quite sociable at school?
1: I was. I was very shy when I was young, but then I really came out my shell when I was about maybe like sixteen.
0: Were there at break time at school? Were you? Did you keep yourself to yourself or did you play with, did you have friends to play with?
1: Yeah, I was very playful. I was always playing. Yeah, always.
0: I, I, it's so interesting to me. And that's the sort of why I'm asking these questions because it's just so, I, I, I can see similarities to to myself and, and also some differences. And it, it's such, you know, you speak to one person and the next person is... There, there's relatability but also so such differences um I, I, super fascinating and then you went to university um we actually found out we went to the same university um oh. Oxford Brooks, which which is really funny and, and um did you you graduated yeah yeah and that's something I'm in awe of because I could never get my head down to do the work in the end what did you study
1: economics and politics
0: okay economics So was there like a clash or there between of the sort of dislike to maths when you were younger?
1: Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I found out the whole concept of economics just made so much sense to me and it still does. I just get it. I just understand it. I don't, I don't need explaining more than once and I can just remember it because it makes sense. It's like logic to me. Um, so the majority of economics, I adored it. I got an A star in A level, and then went off to uni to do it as well, and did quite well. But it was the maths, the mathematics for economics, those modules where I would just always flop, and that would just be like the difference between me getting a first in the rest of it and like scraping by a pass in the <laughs> math side, which I always knew was holding me back so much. But
0: mm. yeah. Oh, good on you for taking something, I suppose, by the horns that you knew you perhaps had a weakness in and, and choosing to do it as, as your degree. It's a super brave. Your dissertation, what was that on?
1: <laughs> it was why the UK should stay in the EU from an economic perspective.
0: Gosh, okay, God, that sounds complicated.
1: <laughs> and I got a first in that. That everyone agreed wow. that it was time for it was economically better for us to stay in the EU but politically obviously it mm. went differently
0: yeah that's what i mean about the differences because i mean it's it's amazing to hear like i sitting down and doing something like a dissertation to me is it would sounds like torture um but then you on the other hand you've 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 excelled at it and you've done amazingly well when was adhd First mentioned, or when did it first come into your sort of consciousness that it might be a thing?
1: by that point, I'd actually left my career and had just started my own business, and it was a friend of mine who I worked with quite a lot um danced with her as well, and she was like, "Have you ever thought that you might have a d h d And I was like, No." Why? (laughs) And then I started looking it up but I quickly dismissed it and it wasn't until yeah about a year ago that I took it seriously.
0: What do you think it was that prompted her to say have you thought about it?
1: Mm, She got to know me very well and she's someone who she understands people from this perspective so she's clearly done a lot of you know, reading into an understanding of ADHD and all and all sorts of different neurodiverse people because that I mean she's a coach as well. And so she's super in with that she knows it is so she's so very aware of it. Um so she must have just picked up the traits in me. She's also said to me that she thinks she is. So I think she also picked up those same traits in me because we were working together. Um and we'd whenever we'd Chat. We'd like to speak for hours on end about all these amazing ideas that we have and we would just go do 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 and just create a whole empire within like three minutes. (laughs) It was wild. (laughs) How
0: did it make you feel when she suggested that you ADHD might be something to look into?
1: I didn't love it. I was actually quite like dismissive and... Honestly, I think it made me feel weird, like, in a way that I didn't want to be different. Yeah, if I'm, mm. if I'm really honest, I wasn't happy about it.
0: <laughs> and then did you look into it? I did. Where did you look and, and what, what did you find?
1: I scoured the internet and I, I just found, like, studies on ADHD and, like, traits, um, but loads of stuff about kids. I found and so I couldn't really relate to it like loads of stuff about like hyperactive young boys I was like well that's definitely not me (laughs) and um I did actually find an ADHD coach because by this point I was so focused on personal development and transforming my life I was like right I've got this I need to get a coach for it (laughs) and (laughs) I spoke to her and I just I was like you know what this isn't I'm not ready for this and I didn't want to do it
0: what did the so did you have a session with the coach
1: just like a discovery call yeah
0: Mm. i mean we we, we know that adhd can present very differently in women and girls not always but on average it seems to present differently like you said it, it can be more internalized due to perhaps the fact that the world is is less forgiving of of women acting in a certain way you know which is awful but but things are changing so my question is how do you think adhd shows up in you
1: if i'm looking back now back to what you were saying about when i was younger it is like the oh george is in fairyland like such a daydreamer that definitely i can see that in my childhood um but now how does it show up i mean upon reflection having now learn a lot more about ADHD and been to a talk that really really helped me to shift my perspective on it I see I definitely see my resilience the fact that I mean this is what I think really made me do so well in my career what so early on at such a young age was that I was so hyper focused And I had a goal and a target and I would just like, there was nothing would stop me. And I still can be like that now, which I actually love about myself, but it also shows up in so many ways. Like I can get so easily distracted, but I think again, on the hyper-focusing, it allows me to really like, when I'm with you now, I'm so with you and my attention is all on you. And that really helps me in my career and with my work is that I can be so with someone in a way that they're probably not used to. And it's really, people value that like giving attention is so powerful. So that can be a real strength that I see in myself, but I also see myself like once I'm in this hyper-focused state, again, no one can, I'm in a bubble, no one can get to me. So I will be totally oblivious to something happening right there. And if someone's trying to talk to me, like I might as well not be there. And that can feel very, I can feel like I'm letting people down. Um, Another one is like the last minute thing. I didn't even realize this. I've always been such a last minute person. And I like pull things out the bag, like last minute that you just should not be able to do. But it works for me. And I realized, oh, wait, that's something that that is a part of ADHD. You are actually kind of prone to winging it and doing a good job. Because the thing is with me, and this is what I realized, is I obsessively research things so much and dive into them so much that I have all this knowledge, all this understanding that I can wing it because I've learned so much about it already. That's kind of how I work. Mm. So that helps me.
0: So, so interesting. And the last minute thing you mentioned uh, is so relatable, I think, to so many people with you. Sometimes it helps to sprinkle in a little bit of, not panic, but a little bit of adrenaline or to know the deadline is just there to really get the brain fired up. And when you're in that zone, the hyper focus is so real. And the work that we can produce is out of this world, from my experience. Yeah, it's it's a real strength that ability to do things not necessarily right at the last minute but leave it I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm terrible at doing things that don't need to be done immediately if something needs to be done in like a week's time do you can you find the motivation to do it now
1: it depends what it is I've got quite a lot of there's some things that I will just do it straight away because I know it needs to be done. But what I do find is if I've got any type of resistance around that thing, that's when I'll leave it to the last
0: minute. Any kind so of- If
1: I'm cool with it and it's all clear in my head and I'll be like, oh, I'll best get it done now. Cause otherwise I know I'll forget. Cause I know what I'm mm. like. But if I've got a little bit of resistance, I'd be like, oh, I'll leave it. Because like we said yesterday when we were chatting, like, things could change by that point and I'm so aware of that and it's helped me so much like to not be super planned in advance because things always change so like, it's handy to not have like spent all that time on something that might not happen or might change
0: absolutely and like you said we were chatting yesterday and you were saying which I completely agree with is that we don't know how we're going to be feeling in a week's time we f- we might feel amazing now or we might feel not so great now so let's not make a plan now or let's not stick to something because we don't know how we're going to be feeling in a week's time or two weeks time when we have to go to that event that we've said we're going to go to yeah is that do you do you can do you see that in yourself
1: massively yeah and and i didn't really realize how much this is associated with ADHD actually before I was chatting to you about it but I actually found that through looking at my human design and realizing that in terms of where how I'm designed as a human everyone's so unique but for me my authority is in my sacral chakra which is like the gut feeling and that space within my body where you just like I will feel and I will know that's right for me or that's not right for me, like my body will tell me. And so if I'm not in a moment where I can make that decision based on my how I feel, then it's not gonna work for me because that's so important to me. Whereas other people will be designed differently and their decision-making will be from a different space. But for me to know that, it really helps me to honor, like, and to communicate with people, like I don't know how I'm going to feel, that's how I operate, it's how I work, so that people don't get annoyed with me for yeah bailing last
0: minute or something like that you said something earlier that that I, I found really interesting you said when you're in that hyper focus mode you can be completely unaware of your surroundings or if someone's trying to talk to you you're just not engaged with them you're not listening to them. you can't hear them because you're just so into what what you're what's going on in front of you yeah and I think that obviously is an interesting one because sure it, it can be a benefit but in certain, certain situations that could lead to some hostility or confrontation between the person who's in your who, who's who you're perhaps not ignoring but it could be perceived as you're ignoring them
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I suppose, suppose suppose my question is in in relationships whether you know romantic ones or, or just friendships has that ever been an issue for you
1: yeah yeah it has
0: <laughs> do you have you ever been accused of ignoring your 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 mates or your partner
1: yeah very, awesome. yeah. very yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah me too yeah
0: yeah it's a tricky one did it, with the context of adhd i mean was that ever did was it ever made aware to your friends or romantic partners that that was what was going on
1: So now I'm aware of this I like my good friends will know and my family know even though they still hate it like it still annoys them but my friends do know my good friends do know and because they love and accept me for who I am they just get it they just understand now and so it actually it works really well and it's really handy for me to understand that that's actually just part of how my brain works but yeah um in the past like i wasn't aware you know I'm, i've only been aware very recently about adhd and how it might affect me so yeah i had no idea i didn't know and then sometimes i'd be like what is wrong with me like why didn't i hear you i actually didn't hear you and then people won't believe me you know like yeah of course you heard me i was right there and i'm like i just didn't hear you and it's that can be really that was really really tough yeah mm. it's easy to be single uh, yeah yeah
0: i, I want to just chat about relationships for a, for a moment because it's a topic that I find interesting and I think from speaking to various people it's it's a topic that goes hand in hand with ADHD with in a good way and, and a, in a sh- interesting way shall we say just what what would an ideal first date look like for Georgia
1: oh are you asking me out
0: <laughs> i mean no for me because well I'll, I'll give you my answer afterwards but it's just a super interesting question because i suppose the traditional answer is maybe to go out for dinner but for me that's like not the best situation because i'm, I'm much more of a physical active person so yeah. i'm just curious to, to 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 get your opinion
1: my ideal first date definitely on a beach um just hanging out at the beach i think or walking or hiking or something like that. Cause I think when you hike or walk, you can really get to know someone and then hiking is also quite an active thing. So I'll know the person is also quite an active person. Uh, mm. Yeah, beach, hiking in a chill, a very chill scenario. Yeah, definitely not dinner. Although, I, you know what, I love dinner too. Mm. But as
0: soon as the, do you find that as soon as the bill is paid, you just, you're happy to stick around or you want it up and go at that point?
1: Well, we're really going there, aren't we? Um, I quite like to go to a shisha bar after that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, I, I spoke to a, a guest of mine in in a previous episode, and they were saying that there's there's no specific studies, but there's a lot of observational evidence to suggest that neuro neurodiverse people kind of suit each other and there can be a clash sometimes if if one person in the in a relationship is is perhaps ADHD or or autistic and the other one isn't based mm. on your experience do you, did you do you find that your personality can clash with a someone who is slightly different to how you operate
1: uh, it's harder to understand i think for people i think if if you've experienced it yourself and been like on the side of like you've had your own experiences of like for example like we're talking about being ignored or something like that or needing to be active or whatever it is if you feel that yourself it's so much easier to understand it for someone else if you don't feel that way yourself or if you've never had a situation where someone's talking at you and you haven't actually heard what they've said then it's so much harder to actually understand so there's definitely that but I've also noticed it on the flip side so for example if I'm talking to someone else and I know they're not paying attention to what I'm saying. Like, because I this is the thing, it does attract, I do think it does attract like-minded people. Like when I first heard about ADHD, I was listening to this woman talk and she was saying like her, her husband and her child or all like ADHD and none of them fucking knew. <laughs> so it's just like, but, but they didn't know because they were so like each other. And so it took someone outside to be like, you haven't noticed this because you are too. So I definitely think that attracts each other. Like a ton of my friends are all ADHD. We're like, yeah, we've all got it, you know. And that's just something we accept. But then that does mean that I'll notice it being on the other side. So for example, if my friend is like, you know, not... If we're having a conversation, then my friend suddenly is on their phone. I know they're engrossed in their phone. And it's not them being rude. It's them not being able to concentrate on two things. So then I will literally, I'll just stop talking. And I'll just be silent and I'll wait. Or I'll say to them like, shall we talk about this another time? Because I understand where they're at. And I know it's not personal. They're not trying to ignore me. I'm not not important just because they're not giving me their attention. It's just that they're engrossed in something else. And that's just humans, we're messy. We're like that, you know?
0: Well, no, 100%, I guess the awareness is so important and so like you said you can see it in your friend when they're on their phone and you know that they they're just in the zone so yeah. and when you've got that awareness you can step back and leave them to it if you didn't have the awareness perhaps then that com- that situation might turn into a conflict because yeah. you just might think that they're being rude or being ignoring you yeah super interesting like my girlfriend is is very different to me um I'm very impulsive, very, very, uh, very impulsive, really. Yeah. And she's very the opposite. So we kind of balance each other mm-hmm. out. And if I want to do something, then she'll say, no, Alex, hang on a sec. Just think about this, sleep on this. And there is sometimes a, cl- a clash there, but I think it can be hel- healthy. I think one question I wanted to ask you, and, and you said we could go anywhere yesterday. So I'm going to go here <laughs> because I I struggle with, in the past, breakups because I now now I suppose the medical community would call it perhaps emotional dysregulation and I really struggle to articulate my emotions and in the past a breakup has been a very messy situation I'm bad at articulating it so my question is do you relate to that at all and if you do do you have any advice on how you might deal with a similar situation
1: um yeah well I mean I'll just share my personal experience So for me, like when I've been, when I'm in a relationship, I'm so in it. And I guess that also could be a bit of a tendency of ADHD is to be super in something. Like If I'm in, I'm in. And if I'm out, I'm out. Like it's, it really is one or the other. And so to be so in and committed to someone and so like involved with someone's life and then for that to suddenly stop and to suddenly go... I mean, it's gonna affect anybody, but it could maybe be heightened with the ADHD. And I've had like, yeah, it was actually a couple of years ago now that I did go through a breakup that was very, it turned my world upside down. It really did. But having said that, I was absolutely fine. And I also tend to be, I tend to be very, very upset immediately. And then, after a little while, like maybe a couple of months or so, I'm super over it. It's a really weird thing. Maybe it's just like my time to, yeah, really process the emotions. Um, but then once I have the acceptance, it's pretty, pretty good.
0: I, I spoke to Barbara uh, Rogoski, a speaking coach, a couple of episodes ago, and she said something very similar. She said that she can't dwell on things for too long, um, friendships or past romantic or breakups, for example. Like, and I don't know if you're the same, but in the immediate aftermath, do, do you almost hyper-focus on the, the emotion and you can get in a really sad state?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. But I think that's a really good thing because it's, re- it's allowing me to, like, really feel my emotions. And this is the thing, I think, with emotions and with there's so many people who actually really struggle to feel their emotions. And so something could be eating them up, but they don't give themselves the ability to actually just be sad and be really sad for a few days, you know? Whereas because I can do that and I know I can then the emotions can just move through me and they go and they're released and I'm not suppressing anything. And that's the thing about emotions is it's just energy in motion, you know, Mm. moving around. And it's when we repress that, that there's, it gets stuck and it can be like, it can cause dis-ease, you know, disease within our body, literally by suppressing our emotions. So I think it's actually a really, strong and good thing that maybe ADHD has something to do with and it can be quite it can be quite inspiring for other people to see people really feeling into their emotions that way
0: yeah I agree 100% is what you said makes a lot of sense and it I can see the unhealthy knock-on effects of maybe keeping it contained yeah if are you very open about your ADHD with your friends now and and sort of uh, future partners
1: yeah but at the same time I don't know how much I love the label of it if I'm totally honest so I tend to be more like this is how I roll because ADHD is part of it but there's so many other things that are unique to me that make me me and that yeah can be different to your average human but I'm so out there with who I am that I think people kind of know that anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so clear, but judging by your... I've only seen your LinkedIn content, but you're... Like you said, your, 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 there's the energy is so apparent. The energy and the personality that you bring is so apparent, and it's almost quite infectious and contagious. You sort of, it rubs off in, in, a, in, a, in a really nice way. Do, do you think you're quite impulsive? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very impulsive. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: And it, is that something that you can look back and and see as being a part of you for forever?
1: Forever. You know what? I don't know. Forever. I've only really seriously noticed it, and when I think about my experiences, I've noticed it really coming out from probably from university onwards. My tendencies can't think too much back before that that makes it apparent and maybe that's my independence and me just being me once i go to university and before that maybe i was just quite conformist like doing as i was told you know and then suddenly do whatever i want (laughs) um but yeah the impulsivity is a massive thing and i think i've actually only recently realized the connection to that and dopamine and the fact that actually I'm just looking for dopamine. And so it's interesting to assess how often I act on that impulsivity. There's nothing I love more than a spontaneous decision to do something fun.
0: What does a, What was your... What's, what's an example of a spontaneous decision that you've... A big one, perhaps, that you've done in the last five years?
1: I've got quite a few. <laughs> so <laughs> my first one that's like quite big was when I just decided I'd quit my job and go to Bali and study yoga which was so totally like everyone's like what you doing what (laughs) and then (laughs) yeah after my breakup a couple of years ago literally the day after I'd already had my flight booked but the day after I went to Ibiza I was there for six weeks and decided to move there and like my whole life
0: so there, that's, that's quite a big example of impulsivity. <laughs> Probably the biggest moving country, relocating. That's massive.
1: Yeah. And I do, I've done it again and again. And actually, I quite like that about myself because I get to experience life so much. Like even this year in January, I was like, hmm, I'm going to go to Mexico. <laughs> <And> I just <laughs> went like a couple of weeks later, I was on the flight and I'd never done anything like that before. And I just went on my own and had the absolute time of my life and yeah I actually think it's a great thing to be able to do that and to channel in a healthy way though I'm so lucky because my my like addictions and things that like give me the dopamine are all quite things that are quite healthy for you like yoga and like just going to meditate and that's really helped me actually to regulate myself and I I just love like activities like horse riding skydiving like all these like dopamine type things but they're all quite active and healthy whereas I do know it could it could have been very different I could have become quite addicted to other things
0: <laughs> yeah for sure and and I've spoken to some people who, and I'm, I include myself in, in that who have you know found dopamine in unhealthy ways Um, but I've spoken about that before I won't go into it Um, but no good on you for finding dopamine in in the healthy ways it sounds like it's it's a lot of fun so you you've moved to Ibiza and you decided to move there permanently which is you know a lot of people might find that quite daunting but you just did it and then you started a yoga retreat company how's that going?
1: Amazing. I love it. Yeah, it it's really what I love about it is that I get to invite people into, I think, the really enjoyable part of that part of me that loves to just do different things and experience new things and be quite spontaneous. I think it's just amazing to watch people who actually are often quite scared of doing things like that just just feel the permission and be like, you know what? I could do that too. And and see them just come out of their shell and just like enjoy life on a whole new level.
0: When you moved to Ibiza and you made that decision to up and go, was there any anxiety at all?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of anxiety. (laughs) Yeah, of course. It was a big thing, but I just, didn't I just knew in my heart of hearts that's what I wanted to do? I just didn't mm. let that stop me, you know.
0: No, good on you. But you're clearly you've got that entrepreneurial side to you massively. Before the the, the retreat in Ibiza, were, were there any other ventures that you that you we were, were doing?
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> but more like for fun. So at university, actually, um, I I was a cheerleader I was part of the cheerleading team I absolutely loved it it was like an amazing like fitness thing for me we had an awesome squad but we had no money and I was like hang on a minute football get given thousands of pounds why don't cheerleading get that because we really desperately needed like mats because it was quite like um like gymnastics like doing flips and stuff Mm. we needed mats like proper mats because we were hurting ourselves like practicing these things but we but we couldn't afford it like as a club like we just didn't get any money from the university so I was like right I'm gonna be head of fundraising like it wasn't even a it wasn't even a role I just made it up I was like I'm gonna be head of fundraising I'm just gonna make us some money so we can buy this map and so I created I can't believe I'm actually saying this do I say it <laughs> <laughs> you you can do I like, delete... do I bring that one back up to the surface i'm not sure <laughs> but, but i created um a calendar for the cheer team and it was very classy by the way okay. um, it was a naked calendar but it was done in a very classy way and we ju- i just i don't know how i did it i was in my final year of uni supposedly writing my dissertation but actually like creating this whole concept. And yeah, we made a ton of money. And that was probably my first experience of, oh, I can just do something and make some money. And then I kind of channeled that into my career. And then it's only now that I'm like, I'm bringing that back into my own business.
0: (laughs) Gosh, well, I promise I won't turn that into a soundbite and make that the promotional clip for the episode. (laughs) Can you imagine? Any of it. Everything you said, all I do is just zone in on the naked calendar for the
1: Works <laughs> <laughs> really <done>. yeah. <laughs> No, it went. It went really well, actually. Yeah. It's <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> just going. Do, do, do you ever have you ever like burnt out? And if, if you have, what what does that look like for you?
1: Massively, I massively burnt out, and so. When I started my career, I was fresh out of university, just moved to London, could not afford to move to London at all. Like, I had zero pennies. I don't know who I thought I was, but I was like, I'm going to London, now I'm going to do a career. So, yeah, I was living in this really horrible, crummy place. And I was so motivated to get myself out of that situation that I ended up, like, really burning myself out because I was... I mean, I was a massive high achiever as well, but I really, really burnt myself out because I just would not stop, especially because I worked in a career where it was commission-based. So I knew if I worked more, I'd earn more money. So I did. And I would remember I'd be like in London, like, and it didn't stop even when I was fine. Financially, I did really well. I didn't stop. I carried on. I just didn't know any other way because I was just so in the zone on like, this is how we do things. This is how we grow, because I was growing a startup as well, essentially as well. So there was a lot of exciting things happening in the business that I just, again, like sort of took a hold of and grew, grew the business with them. So I remember being on the phone to my mum. She'd be like, Georgia, you're burning the candle at both ends. I'm like, what do you mean, mum? She'd be like, you you literally go, like I would literally go from work and I'd go straight out like with my friends for dinner or something like that. Pretty much every night I would do something. I was never just chilling in the eve. That was wild. And then in the morning I'd be up first thing. I don't know how I did it. Well, a lot of caffeine was involved, but.
0: <laughs> are, are you more conscious of, the work the, the balance now and do you do you do you work in a different way now
1: yeah massively different but that has been the heart that is still like and has been the hardest thing for me about my personal experience i think with adhd actually is my ambition is so sky high and because i've got that focus on it I can be so easily like, go, 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 never stop. It's still there, despite the fact that my literal business is all about retreating, Mm -hmm. slowing down, (laughs) meditating, doing all these things. So I have to remind myself every day. But what I've realized is if I focus my energy on the slowing down, then my ambition doesn't go anywhere. I've still got it i 'm naturally someone who 's going to create things and going to make things happen, so i don 't have to worry about the doing that will happen. What I have to focus on is the slowing down because that won 't happen unless I focus on it
0: gosh, yeah, no it is so interesting and I guess that comes with the self awareness comes with having to go through the experience right with the mm. corporate job which you were burning the candle at both ends and you had to go through that to realize that you had that you had the possibility of burnout within you and perhaps your mum was a little bit more aware and she was putting the the warnings out but obviously you having not experienced it would probably not take it to heart straight away until you actually were in the burnout and and then now you can I mean you said the contrast between having to work really hard but also having a retreat business right even though it's a the the relaxation and and self-discovery is what I imagine a lot of the business is about but behind the scenes there's got to be a powerful force to keep something like that operational and that is that's you um so thank you for being so honest um I've certainly taken a lot from this episode. There there is one question that I wanted to ask. It's actually the first time I've asked a guest this and I haven't pre-warned you about this. So the answer will be super interesting. If you could spend an afternoon with anyone, they might be alive now or any point in history and do anything with them for a few hours, who would it be and what would you be doing?
1: It would be (laughs) Rumi. So Um... who? Rumi a poet yeah Rumi's a poet and I've actually got an oracle card deck that is all about Rumi's poetry and he's like quite a mystic but very like ancient ancient work um but I feel like Rumi has summed up life as a human so I would love to spend just an afternoon with Rumi and to be honest with you I, I do actually in my meditations um but yeah that would be the person
0: fascinating well I'm certainly going to look up Rumi after this because <laughs> he, it sounds so interesting and and where can people find you Georgia if they want to speak to you a little bit more or follow your stuff
1: you can find me on LinkedIn on Instagram as Georgia St John Smith and sancti.co.uk for my work
0: amazing i'll put all of that in the show notes and it will appear on the screen as well gosh thank you georgia thank you so much um thank you for being so honest um we've covered quite a few things um i appreciate the conversations i know that people will learn a lot from what you've said today so thank you very much
1: you're welcome thank you